Hey, hey harlots. harlots. I'm Jen. I'm Liz. And we're Harmless Harlots. Relationship geeks. Ethical sluts. We love exploring how to have more authentic relationships. Whether it's with yourself, someone else, multiple others, or even the earth. We are enthusiasts, not experts. So if you'd like to explore along with us, we give you our enthusiastic consent to come along. I'm visiting my best friend right now because she just got a puppy. And I am helping her break in the new puppy who is doing a little flippy flop roll around right now. She's so stinking cute. Um, <laughs> but we were we were chatting this morning to my best friend is married. And um, she obviously knows that I'm like polyamorous and all that jazz. Uh, and we were talking about how, you know, when, when we tell people we're polyamorous, their first thing, their first concern is usually, but the children. And <laughs> she was like, no like more than more than two parents is optimal because like even with a puppy like they were like we need to bring in a third person to help us with this puppy because it's a lot of work and like her husband is in his residency yeah her husband's in his residency right now so he works like a lot and she needs to go into the lab and like for at least the first week they were like we don't want to you know leave her alone inside for terribly long and so luckily Mm -hmm. i work remotely and can come in but yeah i just want to emphasize that um Having more than two parents is not a bad thing, because <laughs> even between the three of us, like we've all kind of taken turns getting up in the middle of the night and taking the puppy out and responding to cries and stuff. And um, it's hard with three people, even with two people, I'm sure it would be more difficult. So yeah, I really like, I, 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 you know, obviously it's not their fault, but like I think single parenting is just like oh god awful it's I like can't, i can't imagine you should have at least have a team of five <laughs> i mean no, well yeah I, even even dual parenting is rough like everybody always jokes about like oh you're tired all the time and you go crazy and ha 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 that's it's just parenting and it's like yeah but what if we didn't do that <laughs> like what if we just had more people and we just lived in nice polyamorous communal structures where it wasn't just two parents because i think I think we've talked about this before, but like you and I both studied Spanish and Mm -hmm. um, particularly Spanish culture. And in a lot of Latin American cultures, you know, a married couple will live with their parents, Um, like their elderly parents will come in and they'll take care of the parents, but also the parents will take care of the grandchildren. And they have kind of a setup where it's like there's usually five or six parents for all the kids. And that works way better. Actually, my partner and I were discussing because we're going uh, it's good we're going to go through a transition we haven't determined exactly what it's going to be but i'm moving at the end of august and i will no longer be in the same physical location as my partner Mm -hmm. um, because she still has a year of school left and we were talking about where i was moving and she was like i just don't understand why you wouldn't want to live closer to your family and i was like I mean, I would, like, I would love to live close to, like, my parents and my younger brothers, but it's, like, they live in a very small town where I do not want to live, and they're waiting for, we're waiting, they're waiting for my youngest brother to graduate high school, because they don't want to move him in the middle of high school. Is he, he's going to be a junior. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. That's disgusting. He's (laughs) driving now, and it blows my mind. Like, he can drive a car by himself and i'm just like that's not no there's no way no no he's too young he's still like five years old in my head he can't drive a car no 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 no, he's baby he's He's just baby he is small he only knows small is baby (laughs) yeah um it's like yeah i would love like i don't know it's weird because like we live in an era where like i think it is more common to like move away from your family but like i still would love to live near my family and maybe once well i'm hoping they follow us because i think you're right waiting until joe graduates but i'm hoping after joe graduates like dad's gonna retire mom doesn't work and i think they would rather live where we're moving than the tiny small hodunk town where they live now so i'm i was actually kind of looking forward to the family trip there i mean part of it was for me to look for apartments but i was kind of hoping they would go and be like yeah this is better we'll move out here in a couple years and join you and then we would still live close to family just not in the middle of nowhere (laughs) but there'll be other chances for them to visit um, um, oh, we were also going to go through roommate stuff. Yes, I did no background research, but... I just Googled right now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to... The first thing that comes up when you Google things to discuss before moving in together 
Google says 11 practical things you'll need to discuss before you move in together. Let's just go through this. Number one, your home. What do you need in a living space? What's most important to you? I feel like we've, that's, yeah, we've, we've talked about, we're house hunting or apartment hunting together. And I think we made a good list. Jennifer and I are absolute nerds and we made an Excel spreadsheet where we put on um, the various attributes we needed in an apartment and the things we valued. And then we ranked everything and we did a weighted mean for each of us where we weighted the different things we wanted more like I cared more about having a bathtub than I think Jennifer did. And Jennifer cared more about uh, public transportation than I do because I like to well, I don't like to drive, but I can drive. I have a car, whereas Jennifer does not want to drive. So she cared more about public transport. So we each did weighted means for various apartments. And uh, then we averaged our weighted means and selected. We did that for location. That's how we selected the city. But then we've also, for the apartments, had um, kind of similar things where we put, you know, what attributes we needed to have and made sure everywhere we're looking has all those things. So I feel like we've talked about that. So that's fine. Um, the second thing is space. We've talked about that. Three, pets. Yes, we've, we've talked about these are done. The, obviously, we've talked about these things. Um, okay, housekeeping. How are you going to split household tasks? How do you and your partner share household tasks and chores? What do you guys do? Yeah, well, first, I guess, I don't know, I felt like we kind of hopped into it. But the, I mean, A, yes, we're moving in together. But B, like this we're, the reason we're doing this over the podcast and not somewhere else is because it's a good exercise and, you know, setting boundaries. Also, yes. you know, like your relationships with your family and friends are not any lesser than your romantic relationships. So, yes, this is this is also something you should do even with your non-romantic. No, if you can really call them partners, you're not your platonic partners, no. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> On that note, the, the guy I went to... Um... Uh, the Badlands with, who is platonic, um, has been kind of a dipshit. And I was complaining to mom about how he was kind of a dipshit. And mom was like, well, did you express to him like the way you wanted to be treated? And I was like, I guess not. And she was like, well, he's kind of treating you the same way he treats his other friends, isn't he? And I was like, I guess so. And mom was like, well, he probably just doesn't know that you don't want to be treated like that. And I was like, yeah. So when we get back, we're having a dinner where I'm going to be like, listen, I know this is how you communicate with your other friends, but I don't like it. And I would like to be communicated with differently. I, I, I know I've said this before, but literally relationships is just saying what you want. And like, it yeah. sounds so simple, but it's just like, it's like you say what you want. The person says what they want. You see if they're compatible in some way. Maybe there's compromises. If it's not, then part your ways. And it's like, I know that's an oversimplification, but like the base amount of non-communication, just communicate, 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 communicate. Because it's the thing with like, like we talked about with monogamy, like because there is this like monogonormative culture and like there are these scripted things that like, you know, people expect to go a certain way. And then when they don't, people are surprised. It's like, yeah, because you got to fucking communicate with people. Anyway, um, I forgot where we were. <laughs> um, this is actually interesting because I was t I took a relationship class last semester and or maybe it was I think it was actually in my economics class. We had to like post we had to do like, oh, you know, post one article to the discussion board and make comments on two other people's articles like that dumb shit. Um, but I always took the opportunity to um, post as much queer content as possible. I, I remember I looked up this one article that talked about how queer couples split chores and how it's like there's usually less tension about it in queer relationships because there's not those like predetermined and preset gender norms that people will like fall into in a non-consensual manner because it's just kind of the default whereas queer people are much more likely to negotiate and be like oh what do you want to do what do I want to do like which is part of I brief rant I am glad that we are more accepting of queer people today obviously but I also am not loving that the fact that it's more accepted is leading to more scripts being written for queer people like there are tropes about like the u-haul lesbians and like oh lesbian first dates like last a whole week and you just stay together forever and like i don't like that there are now scripts for women dating because the whole reason <laughs> i like dating women was because there were no scripts and now there are scripts and i am expected when i go on a date with i don't a woman, think to just, anybody like, is forever. expecting and I'm like, that of you me 
Jennifer, all of the lesbians on TikTok, all of the lesbians on TikTok are like, we went on our first date and then we stayed together for three whole weeks and then we just moved in together and now we're married. And I'm like, that's not who I am. <laughs> you heard it here first. Elizabeth does not want to normalize queer relationships. Yeah, Elizabeth right, is right. homophobic. Stop normalizing queerness. <laughs> Keep it queer. Keep no. it queer. <laughs> that's not, that's not, queerness. Keep queer. Queer. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so I did just go on my rant on how so we should communicate, but I, I don't know. We never. I don't know, a little bit. We never really had, like, an explicit conversation about chores, mostly because living in small apartments with just the two of us, there really aren't that many chores, especially when we were in our old apartment. We had a dishwasher, and so it was like, there's not really chores to do. Um, But I guess um, we kind of take, we, I don't know, it's kind of based on, preferences and we've just kind of done what we feel is equal and what we're comfortable with doing because like I don't know my personality type is I like organizing things and I kind of like cleaning like my first semester at college um I didn't understand how financial aid work I still don't but you know in my financial aid package they're like oh you need to earn this much through work study and I was like okay so I joined (laughs) the um dorm clean dorm cleaning crew which is essentially you went to this office, you picked up a bucket of supplies and you went around to people's Mm -hmm. dorms and you cleaned their bathrooms. And was it gross? Sometimes, yes. (laughs) But like, also you cleaned the bathroom and then it was so clean and satisfying (laughs) and you could just listen to your podcasts while you were cleaning. And it was like, I'm getting paid to do this. This is fantastic. It was also one of the highest paying jobs on campus. So I will say that. (laughs) Um, But so anyway, so... Yeah, I guess I would do like once a week, I would I will like wipe down the kitchen counters and the bathroom counters. um, And my partner would do vacuuming and sweeping because she preferred that. and I guess I the more you talk about this, I feel like this is not going to be an issue for us because we also grew up living together. Yeah, so I feel like yeah. we are compatible. <laughs> like we've lived together. We lived together for 18. No, how many years? Because, okay, so I was, I have 15. to math. I was three when you were born and I left when I was 18. So we lived together for 15 years. Wherever we move, uh, we are going to have a dishwasher. That is something that I have listed. Um, and yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, I think beyond that, we'll just have to determine what level of clean cleanliness we want and then kind of divide that up. Because it's it's also kind of like, I don't know, it is like if one person prefers it cleaner and one person prefers it dirtier than like, um, so yeah, I know that you have cats, so that might mean we need to clean more often. Um, well, and I was going to propose that the the majority of the cats are going to be my responsibility yeah. because they are my cats. Like yeah. they're coming with me. If we ever stop living together, they will come with me. <laughs> like they are my cats. <laughs> so like I will I will do the majority of the, the cleaning and work for them. You know, I imagine you will give Vixen the occasional brush. Um, <laughs> I think I'm more excited for my cats to have a roommate than I am excited for myself <laughs> to have a roommate. Because like Vixen, when we were co-quarantined at home vixen lived her best life when she had both of us because like vixen vixen is the beta cat and prancer is the alpha and like prancer just takes all of my attention all day and i feel so bad like i have to make time to be like prancer go away like i need to give your sister some attention (laughs) but like when vixen had the two of us vixen was like wow another person that could pay attention to me excellent so i'm excited for vixen yeah vixen i am going to have to set some boundaries boundaries with vixen because vixen did like to start <laughs> lying on my keyboard which is adorable but and not very productive yes you i had both of my cats trained before i took them home that they were not allowed to touch my laptop from kittenhood i trained them that they were not allowed to touch my laptop they get near the laptop if the laptop was closed they could be on it but when the laptop is open they don't touch it and then i brought them home and you let vixen go all over your laptop and they were untrained and now they keep trying to fucking get on my laptop and it's your fault well it's kind of like this Hard is, boundaries. it's kind of like disciplining someone else's kid it's like i don't know it's not really my job to step in here <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, so I feel like we'll be, I also feel like we have similar levels of cleanliness. Um, yeah. So I think we'll be fine on that. I agree. I do think one of the things I wanted to talk about was I think when we are apartment hunting, we should try to sign a short-term lease, like a three-month one, because I don't know if we're going to land our dream apartment on our first go. I think we're probably going to have to settle for something and live there for a while and then see if we can find something better um, just because, you know, we're only going to have one visit. And two, if we hate each other, yeah. it'll be good to have a short lease so we can just move into separate apartments. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think finding shorter leases might be difficult because like the apartment I, I was in, I wanted a four month lease and I ended up getting a five month lease. So it was the shortest I could get. And, you know, after the deal, it would have been nice if I could have had a six month lease um, just yeah. because of how things worked out. But when you have uncertainty about the future, it's hard to know those things. It is. Well, and the other thing I've been trying to do is finding two bedrooms that I could afford by myself so that like if something happens and, you know, either you don't end up coming with me or we end up wanting to move out that I could just foot the whole bill myself. But that does also limit where we can go because I don't, I'm not made of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like, I, like we have lived like brief, like I've come, ca I've came, I've come, I have, I have, I have come, I have, I have, I have came and I have come. You have, you have come. <laughs> I have. I've, you have come. I have come to live with you before, and we survived. Yes. So I feel like yeah. we did. Yeah. Yeah. I. I think it'll be fine. But I. I think it's good to talk about boundaries and expectations, just in case. Oh, the one thing I did want to say with boundaries and expectations is like dates with people and like bringing people over to the apartment. Mm -hmm. I assume you are fine with hearing me having sex because I'm very loud. And <laughs> that's, yeah. I'm, just, I'm, I'm telling you now, you, you, you will hear things. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, um, yeah, it's, um, I will say that when I have lived with roommates before, pretty much the thing that I only ever brought up was like, I highly value my sleep schedule and my sleep yes. quality. So... Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, you are an upset person when you don't get sleep. I am very bad. I am just, I'm not me when I'm sleepy. Is you really are not. Um, so I guess you know it might, like, I guess it could be different on like weekends, but like definitely on like weekdays, like having a hard bedtime and like quiet hours, and also like, um, okay. yeah, yeah. I guess just advance notice is nice. Um, that is a good boundary to set. We will we will set bedtime hours and quiet. Well, not bedtime for me, but quiet time hours. We'll <laughs> yes, <set for> sure. <laughs> I I probably won't go to bed when you go to bed, but I will be quiet when you go to bed. Yeah, well, yeah, and we'll have to see what my schedule is because if I get a job that's in, um, well, I guess we'll be in Mountain Time, but like if I get a job, depending yeah. on what time zone that ends up, will determine my working and yeah. quiet hours. Well, and so my my coworkers are also going to be on Eastern Time and we're going to be on Mountain Time. So there mm -hmm. is going to be a 2-hour time gap for me, which does mean yeah. I probably will also be waking up earlier and going to bed earlier, yeah. so that may end up being fairly compatible. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. There's the stuff on this list is all logistical things that we've actually already talked about, so go us for having already discussed the big things. Yay, good job team. But we'll we'll construct boundaries. Yeah, I think also something that I remembered, um, something that was helpful, and is 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 a lot just a me thing because I like certainty and schedules. Is like make when we do divvy up chores of like having a chore chart. Like if we switch off yeah. for dishes, like I don't know. I just like so. Okay, so this was a problem. So I lived in a communal house with some friends in the fall, and we did not have a roommate discussion early enough. And so like a couple of weeks in, maybe a month, my roommates like sat me down and they were like, Jen, we need to talk about dishes. And I was like, what do we need to talk about dishes? And she was, and they were like, we noticed that when you like are done with a meal, like you'll clean up your dishes and that's it. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and they were like, the rest of us have kind of been like, you know, like we'll put our dishes in the sink. And then like every once in a while, we'll just do all the dishes that are in the sink. And I was like, why why wouldn't we just all do our own dishes and they were like i don't know like that's just the system that makes more sense to us and i was like 
I am willing to do that, but I need you all to tell me when my turn is because if I don't know when my turn is, then I'll, then I'll think it's always my turn and so I'll always do them <laughs> and that's not fair. So I just need to know. I will do my fair share. I just need to be told. I don't like... They were like, oh yeah, we just want to like feel it out system i was like no i need structure i need you to tell me when to do it so yes but i think we'll be compatible with that so it's fine yeah i do too i do too although i do remember the one time you lived with me for a week or two dishes were also the issue where (laughs) i had you clean the dishes and i was like jennifer these are not clean what the fuck (laughs) but having a dishwasher i i was taught by mom who is over cleanly that like you wash the dishes by hand and then also like sanitize them in the dishwasher and i think with modern dishwashers you really don't need to do that you can just put them in the dishwasher dirty and it's fine so i think i just need to come to terms with like it's fine we can just do the dishwasher no that's what we did all last semester and like maybe sometimes it's like oh there's a couple food scraps but it's like a for the most part, it's mostly just you and your partner or your roommate in the room. So it's like, this is, you know, just our residual germs. And B, like, it has been sanitized. So it's like, just scrape off the tiny few flecks of food that are left and put it in the cabinet. And it's like, I would rather do that than have to do dishes because I am very yeah. bad at dishes. And that was another thing that I was told when I was living are, with my roommate. Like, you are bad You're just at bad dishes. at dishes, which I don't get. I do the I do the steps. I do what they tell me to. I use soap and water. I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm just bad at dishes. I can't. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I feel like we'll be fine on that. Um, I think it would also be good. So what I've found in, I'm also kind of framing, you know, in, in my whole relationship anarchy, um, you know, take on life that like my platonic relationships, my familiar relationships are as important as my romantic ones. So I've been trying to set boundaries and expectations in the same way in my platonic relationships as I have in my romantic ones. And I think one of the things I have found in my romantic relationships has been really nice is um, scheduling quality time. Cause often, you know, we get really busy. I have a lot of people in my mm-hmm. life. Like I, I will forget, you know, to, to schedule quality time with people. And that will leave either me feeling hurt cause I haven't seen someone in a long time or them feeling hurt cause I haven't made time. So I found setting kind of like a cadence um, yeah. for quality time is good, which I think will be fairly easy because we're living together. But, you know, I think if we set like, you know, maybe we try to do dinners together at least a couple times a week, or we try to do yoga every Sunday morning or, you know, something like that, where it's like, we have time to check in with each other, um, and just, you know, have quality, mm-hmm. which in the beginning, I think will be super easy. Cause when we move, we'll have no friends. Um, and so it'll be just the two of us. There'll be a lot of quality time, but then I think as we both, you know, branch out and build our social circles and stuff, uh, we'll, it'll be good to have intentional set times to, to check in with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And that was also a thing that we, that I instigated back when I was living with my roommates was like having well, like, A, like, I guess two kind of different things. I, I was I was less good about kind of quality time because, like, we were in quarantine and so we were with each other all the time. All the time was quality but, time. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I did I did instigate. Um, I was like, I want us to do dinners together. Like, I, like, I think it's just because that's what our family did. I was like, I want us all to sit yeah. down, have dinner together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we also did instigate, like, roommate check-ins of, like, once a month to be like, hey, what are some things going well? What are some things not going well? So, you know, having those check-ins to can be good yeah cool i'm excited i'm excited to kind of build a life with you because i remember we uh when we were kids we always kind of joked about this like we talked about like oh lizzie's gonna go to college and then make a bunch of money while jen goes to college and then you know i think we talked about like starting a charter school and buying an island and whatever but we always kind of you know like joked about you know living together but i don't i don't maybe you did i don't know but i i never really took it super seriously like it was always like a possibility but it was never like a plan for sure um but it's kind of cool that it's like actually sort of happening like it's it's kind of reminiscent of like my friend um my friend in high school and i uh talked about wanting to study abroad in college and we had like you know talked about oh if we study abroad the same semester let's like meet up in europe that'd be a cool thing but we were both like in high school like we hadn't even picked colleges yet like it wasn't it was a very far distant possibility and then by just like the fate of the universe we actually did end up studying abroad the same semester and he was in prague and i was in budapest which are not that far apart so we actually did end up meeting in europe and i went and visited him in prague and he came and visited me in budapest and it was amazing because we were both like yeah when we had that conversation on the playground in high school 
you know, it, we were, we, you know, we were like, this would be great, but like, we both kind of knew like, yeah, it's not probably going to happen, but it'd be cool. We could just, you know, reminisce, not reminisce, the opposite of reminisce, the future tense of reminisce. But yeah, we could both just like day- daydream. We could daydream about the future, but we didn't think it would really ever happen. And then it did. And we were like, oh, cool. Yeah. So I feel similarly about this where like when we were kids, we would kind of talk about, you know, when after Jen graduates, we'll move in together and start a charter school and change the world and stuff. And, uh, I don't think we're going to start a charter school, but uh, who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's kind of cool that it's all. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. I have thoughts on that, but I wanted to bounce back because I, I, I missed this, but like for us setting intentional time together, like with my partner right now, it's obviously different because we live together, but it's quarantine. I mean, maybe it won't be so different, but like we live together and we are pretty much the only people we see 24 seven, but like we are still working. And so like at night we have like an hour set apart where it's like, we'll do painting and we've recently tried starting to learn American sign language um together um and then also like we just built it in where like we'll go to bed at 10 but then like sleep time is at 11 so we have just like an hour to like chat and kind of talk and like have like Mm -hmm. it's nice because like you're in bed so it's like you're not trying to do anything else it's like we're not watching tv we're not on our phones like we're just kind of there talking um so yes setting up quality time is good um, but then kind of for the second thing you're talking about, um, I was actually thinking about recently of like, you know, captions for like our moving in together post. And it got me thinking about how like when we were little, I don't know, it was going to be something along the lines of how like when we were little, like we, you know, first we designed like, you know, uh, Beanie Baby Cities and then we designed Polly oh Pocket <laughs> Houses and then Barbie <laughs> Houses. And we would always draw those like our fantasy mansions and like, we literally would i forgot about and that and so i was we like did. and then like webkins we did all that so it would be something like you know finally you know decorating a real apartment with the person i've been designing <laughs> fantasy apartments with for 20 so years <laughs> oh my god i forgot about that yeah we used to draw on long car rides we would draw like our dream house and we would draw these fancy mansions and then yeah webkins we built a whole ass webkins mansion together with like different themed rooms and like patios and courtyards and caves like we we really had i didn't even think about that but yeah we really have been like designing living spaces together for like 20 years and now we're actually doing it (laughs) wild what a wild world we live in um oh so I, i i also looked up a um uh, like things to talk about with your roommate and the first there's the, there's like 30 questions but the first one is like what's your daily routine how do you prioritize the following activities work play clean rest and then the clean rest and then the third one is do you believe in past lives if so who were you in your last life <laughs> that's a that's a thing you need to know about your roommate <laughs> it's, interesting yeah and it says this technique is what tony robbins calls a pattern interrupt things are going to get personal so jump in with a whimsical fun line of discussion but then the rest of the questions and there's like 30 questions the rest of the questions are all like you know roommate questions but the third one is just like do you believe in past lives <laughs> okay <laughs> interesting interesting um i did i think i told you i watched that netflix documentary on reincarnation and oh, yeah. i was like you know i'm not opposed to that as an idea because i also believe that i don't fucking know and so you know in an ideology i think what's more important is the consequences of that ideology on your present life and i think believing in reincarnation does encourage you to fight for a better world for everybody because you know what better motivation to be anti-racist than the potential of coming back as a black person when you die right like i think if we all believed in reincarnation we would all be way better to each other and like fight really hard to make the world better for everybody yeah i think um actually last night i was like my partner spent some time comforting me because i like i don't know after a conversation last week about like eco like trauma from like environmental Mm -hmm. climate change I've like just been kind of depressed and also yesterday in my city I like went on my daily walk and um like it was hazy out and apparently like it's smoke all the way from California and it's like the city just like smelled burnt and I was like this is this is bad (laughs) like this is not normal (laughs) this is bad um yeah so yeah, I don't know. I I, I feel a little better, but it's like, I don't know. It goes back to the thing of like, oh, like how much, because it is like, you know, 
your, you know, you being vegan isn't super going to matter. But also at the same time, like, A, if it makes you feel good, but also at the same time, like, societal change is made up of individuals. But then so it's like, sure, like, maybe you can say you're somewhat contributing to an impact, who knows. But then it's like, with all these problems, like, you know, economic inequality, social inequality, racial inequality, like, climate change, it's like, I can't fight all these problems on my own. Mm -hmm. And like, I can't be up to date on all of them. But also, it's like, as somebody, you know, as a white, middle class woman, educated from America, it's like, I have privilege. So it's like, I feel like I should be doing something. But I also don't want to like, burn myself out. Because like, I don't know, it's hard because it's like, it's not my fault. But at the same time, like, it is somewhat my responsibility. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I've been, I've been thinking about it and struggling. I don't know. It's Jeff Bezos's fault. It is for it taking really... a ten-minute space ride instead of ending literal world hunger. It is. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you need a space to project your anger, <laughs> Bezos, <laughs> CEO, entrepreneur, born in 1964, Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. <laughs> I rewatched the Bo Burnham special. Um, oh wow! I had I had watched it. Have you seen it? I have not yet. No. You definitely should. Um, I watched it with Rick pre breakup, and it was like intense. And I don't know why I just got the the urge to watch it again because when we watched it, we watched it on Rick's Netflix. So my Netflix didn't know I had seen it, and my Netflix kept being like, "Hey, you should watch this." And I was like, "No, Netflix, I've already seen it." But my Netflix didn't know that, so I was like, "You know what? I'll watch it." So my Netflix knows it was right because I want my Netflix to know that it was correct <laughs> in this recommendation. I just had already seen it, so I'll watch it for the sake of my my Netflix recommendations. Um, so I watched it again, and I don't know. It was different watching it on my own too like uh i don't know and i feel like watching it for the second time you know you pick up on things you hadn't the first time but i don't typically re-watch things a heck of a lot like usually once i've seen things once i'm like cool moving on yeah. like i don't i don't re-watch stuff yeah um but it was a good re-watch like yeah i uh yeah okay i i recommend okay it. well i guess if that did all the roommate stuff you wanted I have a couple of notes that are random. If you wanted to, I, I, I didn't bring it in, but I could go grab our book and we could do that. Or we could do these random notes. And or do the random stuff. We can pick up the book. I, I do have a lot of notes on the book as well, but I feel like it's going to warrant a whole episode because there's so much, <laughs> so much content. I have a lot of, oh, I also wanted to point out uh, the two main books on page 103. They were like the two main books to read on CNM are Sex at Dawn and the Ethical Slut, which are the two we did. So I was like, yay, we picked well. <laughs> well, we, we didn't really cover the, we, we, we have read the Ethical yes. Slut. We didn't really cover it in this Right. Podcast, no, I'm just saying but... us as individuals. <laughs> yeah <laughs> picked well i do also i got my copy of the ethical slut back from uh jackie's mom i lent it to jackie's mom oh that's good um and i have it back so i mean we could talk about the ethical slut too if we did you talk with her about the ethical yeah slut? so she she is obviously jackie's mom so she's older um so she actually thought it was kind of boring because she was like i already lived through all this like this was I, i've done this been here done that like it's not exciting and i was like oh all right well it was revolutionary for me but i guess it was your life so all right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess related, I am. Um, I was talking with someone recently and they were kind of like, oh, they were kind of like, why are you, I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly the phrase, but they were kind of like, why are you poly? They were like, do you just feel the need to have multiple partners or like, what is it? Like, is one partner not enough? And, like, that wasn't exactly how, like, they phrased well, no, it. Well, no, no, but, but they um, also talk about that in the book, don't they? They talk about, like, being intrinsically polyamorous or polyamorous yeah. by choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for, yeah. I'm going to, page 108, I know we're doing random things, but I'm also connecting to the book, sorry. <laughs> um, but, so, for some people, non-monogamy is not so much a lifestyle choice as it is for some, but rather an expression of their fundamental self. This group is more non-monogamous as orientation than non-monogamous as lifestyle. And I highlighted that because I definitely feel, for me it's an orientation. Like, I just feel like it is the natural expression of just like who I am as a fundamental individual. Um, although yeah. I also think it's a superior lifestyle choice. <laughs> I am H.O. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that kind of started, got me thinking about it. And then I was talking with someone that made me think about it. Um, but like, for me, it was like, I mean, if I, 
basically what I just what I thought what I answered to them was like if I meet someone with with whom I feel a connection then I want to be able to explore that if I want to and not be restricted by archaic relationship structures and if and the thing with like specifically like ethical non-monogamy in like a sexual way it's like if exploring that relationship does lead to a sexual component which like i see sex is just like another activity like obviously intimate but like you know it's just like if you had a fishing buddy like i have somebody who i enjoy spending time with and sometimes we have sex as an activity Mm -hmm. um it's like then i want the opportunity to you know, to explore that. I don't like, you know, and if I become polysaturated and then there's no more connection I want to explore, fine. But it's like, I do believe, I don't know. I don't believe that you like, it is the only slash best way to just like find one person who does everything for you emotionally, Mm -hmm. sexually, like in every single way. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't think that, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I also, um, I th- I think I'm more of a relationship anarchist by orientation because I really just don't like the scripts. Like kind of like you were saying, like I'm not opposed to being romantically monogamous, you know, and if I find one person and I really am only attracted to that one person. Because like when I was dating Sebastian, I really was like the way people say like, oh, I didn't even look at other people when I was with them. Like I really didn't. And like it wasn't because I felt like I shouldn't. It really was, because when I was with Sebastian, I only wanted to be with Sebastian, and I am not ruling out that that could happen again. Like, it is absolutely possible. Um, I don't think it's super likely, but I think it is very possible I could meet somebody and be like, I only have, you know, romantic attraction towards this person, and that's fine. But the big thing that I think for me as an orientation is relationship anarchy, because even when I was with Sebastian, I was like, I don't like valuing my relationship with Sebastian over my friendships with other people because those feel just as yeah. important to me as this does. Yeah. Um, so that's the bigger thing for me is I never want to be in a space where I'm like, this is my most important person because it's the person I'm having sex with. Cause that seems yeah. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Also yeah. circling yeah. back to something you said earlier about sex being a social bonding tool. Um, I've been thinking about a lot. I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I've been, not impressed with one of the men with whom I am having sex and I can't resolve that right now because I am at my best friend's place helping with her new puppy so I have just been like ruminating on my anger toward this lover and you know just like running through arguments in my head and just wallowing (laughs) um spiraling but anyway uh whenever I am like going through scenarios in my head of like how I am gonna yell at him when I get back and how this argument's gonna go it always involves sex in all of my fantasies like it either starts with us having sex to break the tension or it like ends with us having makeup (laughs) sex like I really and I mean this is the thing I've had with a lot of my lovers when we argue I think sex really is a social bonding tool when you're arguing and like obviously you can do it in unhealthy ways like obviously angry sex is not all always a healthy thing like it can definitely be not the best choice but I think I have definitely had lovers in my life with whom angry fighting sex has been really helpful because sometimes you just have a lot of pent-up aggression and you're frustrated and you just need to fuck it out you know you just need to pound it out (laughs) and then after you've had sex you're like okay now I can talk about this like a healthy adult because I have worked out my aggression and we can talk about and communicate in a healthy way. Like, you know, sex really is a social bonding tool. It's, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it or why it is that, but it, it just, it just is like, it, it helps break some of the tension. And I think when, when Zach and I were breaking up the, the last day of our ridiculous, like week long breakup, um, we we had sex and afterward zach asked me if i had like gotten closure from it and i was like uh i don't know did you feel like you got closure from it he was like yeah kind of and i was like okay well good i don't think i had that experience but i think for him it was a it was a good like final closure something i don't know so sex is a social bonding tool is the tldr i ranted for a long time on that sorry <laughs> i've just been thinking about it a lot no yeah i mean i think i have a shorter sexual history so i don't know that i've had that particular experience before i think me 
it might just be my experience as like an introvert and a highly sensitive person of like I and like as somebody who I think as we've discussed <laughs> I have a lot more breaks and you have a lot more accelerators of like I think I kind of have to deal with the emotions verbally before I can kind of get into the mindset of intimacy but I think yeah, that's I very think particular that's to me like and my well. experience of just like I need to process emotions and like settle things in my mind yeah. before I can move into the physical realm yeah no I don't I don't think you're unique in that way I think I think other people would probably Zach did not like angry sex like whenever we were fighting I was always like I want to fuck and Zach was like <laughs> I am not attracted to you at all right now because I'm mad and I was like I am extra attracted to you right now because I am mad and we were not compatible <laughs> lovers in many many ways but particularly when we were arguing and I was like I want to fuck and Zach was like I am repulsed by you and I was like well that doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> angry sex is great we we love a good angry sex it's uh i don't know for me it just helps because when i when i get mad which is not often like we've discussed that anger is not an emotion i feel very often um but when i do it is very intense and uh, i think just pounding it out helps all right, all right. well you know whatever works for you i was also talking with someone and it, we started talking about ultimatums in relationships um, and trying to essentially figure out how that related. Because we've talked about rules and boundaries and rules is like imposing something on someone else and boundaries is like drawing lines uh -huh. around yourself. Um, and like, I think ultimatums are usually looked on, looked on upon as like, not good in relationships, but... Um, Basically, I was talking about this person and we were like Googling research and it was like basically the difference between like a boundary and an ultimatum is just kind of like how you phrase it slash approach it well, slash think say, of yeah, it. If you, because, if you set like, a boundary and someone breaks yeah. it, the ultimatum is kind of if you cannot yeah. respect this boundary you know what are, what are you gonna do like every, yeah. every boundary kind of is an ultimatum in and of itself because it's like if you don't respect the boundary yeah. you can't have this relationship yeah so i think like how i kind of think of it i don't know if like this is scientifically valid at all but like an ultimatum is kind of like if you approach it in kind of an angry slash judgy way and like you can do that as like a rule or a boundary or maybe ultimatums and maybe ultimatums aren't bad i don't know but it's like yeah, like you said, like there should like you should have boundaries and if people break them, then like there should be consequences. Um, but like even I don't know, because I think the unhealthy way is if you're like, you know, the the ultimatum of like, you know, if you don't do this, if you don't change this thing, then like we're done. And I think um, it's like. Oh, I forget what I read this in, but it's like in a relationship, you should have the mindset that like you cannot change a person like a person can change but like that's their decision and like you can't really do anything about it and it's not your job to change a partner it's your job to kind of like tell a partner what you want and if they're willing to give that to you then great if not then like move along so it's like yeah I think ultimatums are kind of like in relationships like said to be bad things but I mean you know if you're setting a boundary then like that's fine and that's valid if you're imposing rules then like i don't know that might not as come from as healthy of a place but like if you truly do not want to be with a person because of a thing they do then it's like then yeah like you have the total right to leave if you want to um so yeah i don't know if there's any revelations for that but i was just talking with that yeah with boundary setting is hard i've been i've been trying to be better about setting boundaries with people um because i do struggle with it because i am a chronic people pleaser and i just want everybody <laughs> to like me i remember i don't know if i told you this but when i 
started working, you have to take this like personality test at my job where they talk about what your strengths are and what your personality type is and stuff. Kind of like Myers-Briggs, but like more specific and more oriented toward work and not really who you are as a person. But the personality type I got was uh, called the Woo. The, it was W-O-O. And I thought when I read it, Woo, it was like, oh, the fun person. I was like, yeah, totally. And they're like, no, no, no. Woo is an acronym and it stands for winning others over. And it means your entire personality is you want people to like you. And I was like, oh, well, fuck. <laughs> I feel personally attacked. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i don't think it's an entirely negative thing like no, no, I think no. woo, it's actually yeah. positive so my yeah. my vice president at the time was also a woo and i was the only other woo on the team so he was actually excited he was like ah finally somebody else who like gets me um, and it actually is a good trait for a leader because like yeah. people liking their leaders is a big predictor of whether they stay in their job so my job yeah. was actually thrilled that i was a woo yeah um but i was yeah, like I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like persuasion and like yeah. you know kind of influencing people like winning people like if you're a salesperson like you have to have that yeah. and like yeah as a leader like you know your job is to kind of influence people and also like if they like you you know better cohesion so i mean yeah yeah woo hoo <laughs> woo hoo <laughs> <laughs> oh dear again this is just kind of a list of random thoughts i've had this week but and like not necessarily a partner but like in whatever relationship you have, do you think it is possible to be in a healthy relationship with someone, but at the same time, and like to like them and to enjoy being in the relationship, but at the same time to judge them for some things? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. So, um, <laughs> uh, Zach and I used to play this game that I think was actually, this was before we were even exploring, like using the formal terms of polyamory and boundary setting and stuff. Um, but I think we, I think I throughout my life have kind of indirectly been doing all these things, just never had language for it. But one of the games we would play, it was a drinking game and we would, uh, we would say something that we thought the other person thought about us. And if we were right, oh. the other person would drink. And if we were wrong, we would drink. So and it was great because it was a really safe way to air like I am nervous you think this about me and they could either confirm or deny whether they did and then you would like talk about it. So it was a, it was a good drinking game but it was also a really good way to like you know pick each other's brains and it was a safe space because I think there's not super acceptable ways to present paranoia in conversations very often because hmm. there's no way to just be like i'm paranoid about this without sounding fucking crazy so it was a nice way it was a good safe space for us to be like i'm worried you think this about me <laughs> um so yeah we would do that a lot and there were often things um i remember one time in particular so zach was a big skateboarder and he was always uh, there there are a lot of like stereotypes about people who skateboard and like the culture and stuff and he one time said to me he was like i think you you judge me and view me as immature because I skateboard. And I was like, fuck, you know what? Like, I don't think I consciously had thought about that, but I think you're right. Like, I actually do kind of view it as, like, not a super mature – like, it is kind of a kid's thing. And, like, like I was like, I think you're – like, I hadn't really put that in the front of my brain, but I think you're right. And so we actually had a conversation where he, he like, talked about, like, his reasonings behind why he likes skateboarding and, like, the, the pieces of the culture he liked. And it actually helped me to kind of stop judging him for it. Um, but I think I had, for our relationship, judged him for that without even realizing it. Yeah, no, that sounds actually like a very good idea. I think, for me, I – and I think this is something that I've – I don't know. I tie it a lot to like my Myers-Briggs personality type as an INFJ, but like I am very concerned with being a moral and ethical person, which is hilarious because I don't really believe in morals because everything is pointless. Yeah. But um, I hate to think if an action I have done has caused anyone harm and this is kind of the thing where we talked about, like, when I get in arguments with my partner, like, if I feel like I've wronged them, it's like, well, I'm the scum of the earth. I don't deserve to live anymore. I'll just <laughs> go suck. I'll just go throw myself in a pit now. Um, and so it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like I highly value the opinions of the people I'm close with. And so I feel like if I think 
they judge me for something, then like I feel terrible because it's like, oh, like, am I doing this? As you know, I, I am very susceptible to tail spinning and like other people's opinions. I kind of take as true until I've like thoroughly proven them wrong. Um, so it's like, yeah, I think the thought of like somebody I'm close with judging me for really anything, like, I don't know. And I think maybe the solution is like you said, to just kind of sit down with that person and maybe play this game and like figure out all the judgments and then to just sit down and be like, cause I think, I don't know. I think you can come to an agreement. It's like, okay, like we just have different values and like, that's not what I would do, but I can see where you're coming from. Like I could live with that, but it's just like, the thought of somebody close to me like judging me and it being a valid reason it's like I would want to address that like if you judge me then like let's talk about it and figure out if we differ if we differ like can we live with that can we not um but maybe we don't and we actually agree and we just need to clear things up but I think yeah like for me I would definitely just want to address all of those which is not to say that like you know maybe having some judgments about your partner isn't like fine and healthy I just think personally I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think I think you can have a healthy relationship and still kind of judge people for things. I mean, you can also judge people in positive ways, right? Like you're judging people all the time. So I mean, you Yeah, I suppose. I suppose negative judgment is my yeah. is the crux of my issue. Yeah, I mean, I think you can have negative judgments about people and still have a healthy relationship with them. I'm trying to think of like other examples because the skateboarding one I don't think was a good example because I think after that conversation I stopped um, yeah. judging him for yeah. that. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that I... You're bad at dishes and I, I judge you for that but I still think we have a well, healthy relationship. But... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I, mean, there's, yeah. I think there's a difference between like I don't think well, I know, like when you say you judge me, it's like obviously that's not like a talent of mine or something I'm good at, but I don't think it's like a moral failing. Yeah, that's valid. I mean, yeah, I guess it depends on the thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you don't fundamentally like someone as a person, and if you're judging them negatively for something that's very like intrinsic to their being, then like, yeah, it'd probably be hard to have a healthy relationship. But yeah, I don't know. It depends on the thing. The last thing I had, which I think um, came from last week when we talked about like having legal rights, um, mm. what that made me think of legally is legitimate, legally legitimate, legal legitimacy. Uh, what that made me think of was like if I think a political tie-up there would be in like legalizing polyamorous like marriage um, mm. would be my plan if that ever got legalized would be like well i'm just going to marry a bunch of people sign prenups so that a bunch of people can get their green cards <laughs> and it's like <laughs> i don't really see i feel like that's not what the government wants but it's what i would no. do so <laughs> and actually that's probably a big counter argument to polyamory it's like oh people <laughs> would just marry people for the legal benefits which is not a reason we shouldn't legalize polyamorous yeah, marriage it's yeah. a reason we should reconstruct how we have built our society to the yeah. fact that people are willing to enter into marriage because they don't have survival resources which yeah. is bad so i doubt that would ever happen but if it did happen then hit me up i'll get you your green card hit me up for that green card i got you <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, leave us a review. Or share it with a friend. Or your polycule. And stay in touch on social media at Harmless Harlots. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>